If you're visiting with us this morning, I want to make sure you understand why things may seem different. Now, if you're visiting, you might not have anything with which to compare it, but we've had our youth rally this weekend, and so we had, uh, because of that, an early service, and so half of our folks have already uh, been here, done that. I don't know if they got the t-shirt or not, um, but now they've, uh, they, they've dispersed probably to go home and have a nap, and uh, we'll call us the faithful. The, the truly committed, who stuck around for the second service. But we appreciate you uh, being here and um, uh, even just probably navigating a little extra traffic as you came in uh, this morning and had to uh, run through all of that. Our theme for the weekend of the youth rally has been uh, treasure and, and seeking treasure and hunting for treasure and, and looking for treasure. And so the, the message that we brought to the young people is, is the same message that I want to encourage us with because I think it's it's timeless in terms of uh, there's never a time when we just fully sit back and say we've received all that we've we've longed for and all that we've hungered for. Uh, so I um, I was remembering and reflecting on what it was like to be a, a student because there were so many uh, teens here and I, I think that as I got in that I had a lot of memories coming back from those years in in school and I remember being in in grade seven. Uh, seventh grade for you Americans. And uh, my teacher, uh, his name was Mr. Wilson. That really was his name. And we had one student in our class, and his name was Cole. Cole did not want to be in school. Cole had no interest in learning anything the teacher had. And I remember one, uh, one morning when we were doing math class, and Mr. Wilson began to write on the board, and Cole leaned back on his chair, put his size nine Doc Martens right smack on his desk, and let out a big sigh. <sighs> Mr. Wilson turned around, and you can see that flash of look in his eyes. Like, did he really have the energy to kind of engage in this once again? And Mr. Wilson said to Cole, Cole, would you please kindly remove your feet from the table? And Cole crossed his arms and says, are you going to make me? And they had this little bit of back and forth until eventually Mr. Wilson got to where he always seemed to get to with these interactions with Cole. Cole, would you please go to the principal's office? And that, for the rest of us, was the, the end of it until the next morning uh, we came back into class and all the, the four rows were still there. But there was one thing that was new, which was in the back left corner, there was this big what looked like a refrigerator box. And cut out of the front of that refrigerator box was this little slit, kind of like you'd see in those jail scenes where they slip the food through. And if you went around to the back of the box, there was this big long cut down thing and you open up the door and there was a desk. So when Cole came in the classroom, Mr. Wilson said, Cole, this is your new desk, your new office, so to speak. And for the rest of the year, Cole sat inside the refrigerator box. And Mr. Wilson said, if you're not going to be paying attention to your education, at least I'm not going to let you ruin it for everyone else. Cole is what uh, teachers would call a non-compliant student. And, and, and teachers are very limited, aren't they? In what they, they can make kids learn and what they can't make kids learn. Uh, I think really in, the, in a lot of ways, teachers are just like the guy who's at the stadium selling popcorn. Popcorn here, get your popcorn here. And if you're going to buy, you're going to buy. And if you're not going to buy, there's nothing they're going to do to make you do it. And teachers offer education. That they offer an opportunity to learn. They do have a, a few tools in their toolbox. They've got the carrots, don't they? The things that they can incentivize you with. You know, if you try really hard, I'm going to reward you with, I don't, it usually has sugar in it, whatever the reward is, right? Candy. And then they also have the stick. If you don't do it, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that and your life's going to be awful and terrible and miserable and all of that. 
But, but there's really not an awful lot a teacher can do to make you grasp the things that they're trying to teach. The book of Proverbs is written from the perspective of a parent and the perspective of a teacher. And, and how is it that this teacher will go about bringing these words of wisdom? And, and, and the teacher is, is bringing about words of wisdom and instruction, the things that are necessary for learning. The teaching is in the form of the father's instruction or of the mother's teaching. And sometimes the teaching is in the form of wisdom herself uh, calling out and crying out. And so we find in uh, Proverbs 1.20, we find that wisdom is there on the busiest corners of the street crying out. She's there raising her voice like the person selling popcorn. Wisdom here. Get your wisdom here. But how does wisdom enforce the people hearing, to receive these words of wisdom. And that's why it comes down in Proverbs to the kind of a student that's going to hear the words of wisdom. See, Proverbs realizes that unless the student participates in the process, these words of wisdom are going to go out, and they're just going to come to nothing. And so we have something better than non-compliant students. We do have these students who are compliant students. These are the kind of students who will do the bare minimum, just whatever is necessary to get through. Uh, when I think back on my elementary years, I would say uh, I was a pretty phenomenal compliant student. I, I actually think one of my best skills as a student was the ability to distinguish and determine where the bar was and to know how low you could go below the bar and not get in big trouble. Like, like you didn't want to go so far below that the teacher was worried or concerned or gave too much attention to you. And, and nor did you want to go above the bar because then you're just wasting time with you know, overachieving and doing too much work. And so I found the sweet spot there where, where the compliant student can just slide through. I, I didn't like learning the things I was asked to learn, but I just simply did it in a way that didn't cause issues. And so when I was told uh, to learn the times table, I would learn it. I didn't know why I was learning it. But, but if I could learn three quarters of it, I knew that would probably be good enough. I was a compliant student for most of my years. And what we, what we find in the invitation in Proverbs is to ask ourselves this kind of question about like, what kind of a student are we in this school of life of the wisdom of God? And, and so the first calling that we find in Proverbs 1.8 is the calling to hear. So Proverbs 1.8 says, Hear, my child, your father's instruction, and do not reject your mother's teaching. Proverbs begins with a very passive form of learning. Uh, something very simple to do, where somebody else organizes and coordinates a speech and comes and says, the only thing you have to do is hear. And in fact, that's what you're doing right now. How, how many of you said, I need to get up early on Sunday morning so I can be a good hearer? He said, no, 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 I'm going to show up and somebody's going to have done something and I hope it's worth me hearing. You're passive as I hear. It's like your parents coming in the room and saying, we're going to have a family meeting and when we're doing the family meeting, we're doing it now. And you get down and you listen. I mean, the parents organize the time, the coordinating, everything they're going to say. And all you do is you show up and listen. But that's the first invitation where it begins is you have to hear the teachings and the words that are being spoken. But what we're going to get to in Proverbs Two is a little bit of upping the ante, where there's going to be a handoff of responsibility. So you remember back in Proverbs 1, what did wisdom do? She was the one who got out, made her way to the street corner, and cried out. 
and raised her voice. I mean, she's the one who's trying to stop all the busy people at the market going here and there and saying, you need to listen to this. But there's going to come a point where we need to step up. And that comes in Proverbs 2, in the text that we read this morning. My child, if you accept my words and treasure up my commandments within you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, if you indeed cry out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and treasure for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. So do you see how we went from 1.8 to being called to hear? And now in 2.1, in addition to hearing it, we need to be willing to accept it. Accepting it means we take, a, we take an ownership of it, that, that, that we, we let it come in a little bit more deeply than just simply hearing it. You know, whenever you send a package and you require a signature on delivery? Did you know that when the postman comes and brings that, if you were feeling uh, obnoxious or obstinate, you could just cross your arms and say, I'm not signing it. And what does the postman say? Well, then I'm not delivering it. Because the postman cannot deliver that which we refuse to accept. And this is the word of God. It begins, the passive student will hear it, and then you have to decide, well, what am I going to do with it? And the next step up is, now I'm going to accept these words. And so it's movement in the right direction. And then the ante gets moved up a little bit. You need to treasure up these commandments within you. Now, what do we do with our treasures today? I go down to Valley Federal Credit Union, where I'm a proud account holder, where I have a little box inside another little room called a safe deposit box. Oh, and all my precious dollars and my precious documents and all the things that if I had a fire would make me cry far too long, I put them all in that box. Because that's where my treasures are. But in this day and age, where would people put their treasures? Because they didn't have banks. No Valley Federal Credit Union. They would put it in the ground. They would, they would go out, typically at dark, because you don't want somebody following you. And you go out at dark, and you walk long distance. You don't put it in a public place. And you find this place that you think is so isolated. You make sure you check over your right shoulder, check over your left shoulder, and then you dig and you bury it there. And then you take that long back, hike back to the house. I mean, why do you do all that work? Because it's important. You don't want somebody to find it. I mean, what do you think somebody's going to do? Open their front door and just start digging in the front yard and neighbors are like, hey, Ted, putting the diamonds in here. No, you got to go somewhere. Now, now, are you going to take that big, long journey and do all that hard work for something that's insignificant? You know, you finish the milk and you have the empty container and you're going to take this long hike. So no, no, it's only for things that are valuable. And so the word that is being taught by wisdom, we need to begin to learn to treasure. Like this is something valuable. We have to treat it as if it's something very, very important to us. And so the ante is being upped in Proverbs 2. What we as the students are being called to do is increasing. And so we are then told to make your ear attentive to it. So not, now we're just not, not being called into here and we're listening, but we're starting to listen for it. it, it when you're in the, in the street corners, you, you're starting to listen for wisdom. You're smarting to be attentive to it, and you're inclining your heart. So now your heart is longing, is desiring, is hoping to hear these words. And then finally, as we get to the third verse, we are called away from being passive students to now being active students. Where Remember chapter 1, what was wisdom doing? Wisdom itself was raising her voice 
and wisdom herself was crying out. And now what are we to be doing as the students? We now are crying out. We now are raising our voice because we want wisdom and we want learning and we want understanding. That's how badly we desire it. I mean, I, I asked the kids to, to imagine this. Some of you might be able to imagine it because you're old and forget what it's like to be a kid. But on a snow day, did, did it ever cross your mind to call the superintendent and say, why are we canceling school? Education is the most important thing, and I can't believe school is being canceled. We need to get all the teachers there, and we need to have school. You ever do that? Could you ever imagine yourself doing that? No, I mean, what you do is you celebrate because you don't have to learn. This is a person who's not just passively they show up and the teacher didn't show up, but they're going to go and hunt the teacher down. And they're going to go, and if it's snowing, they're going to put them on the sled and they're going to pull them to school because we got to learn. I mean, what kind of passion is that? And we have an intensification of what's being called for the students here. And then finally, they're told that they will seek it like silver and search for it as for treasure. And so as you're seeking this treasure, remember where it is? It's in the middle of nowhere. With no hints and no clues. And how are you going to find it? You're going to have to wake up before dawn, aren't you? And you're going to have to be willing to walk a few miles. And you're going to have to dig a few false holes. But you're going to have to work for it. Because it's not something you're just simply going to stumble up on somebody's front yard. And wisdom, we're supposed to be so actively pursuing it that it's just as if we were seeking for it like silver and we were searching for it as for hidden treasures. See, what Proverbs is painting this picture of is, in fact, eager students. I mean, who's going to do the right things with this wisdom? It's those students who are the most eager to learn. I accidentally became an eager student, at least for a moment of my life. Uh, I was in either the ninth or the 10th grade, and, and Mr. Clint gave us this assignment that we were supposed to find, make, plan an imaginary journey from our hometown of Beamsville, Ontario, Canada, to Boston. And we were, he was going to judge the next, I don't know, whenever he did it, three or four days later, who, whoever got there the fastest and whoever got there the most efficiently and most economically and all that sort of thing. Now, you guys know me enough to know I love to travel, right? And I think it was Mr. Clint's fault. It was this very assignment. And so I went home, and I started, so pre-internet days, right? And I started calling airlines for a trip I'm never going to take. I call Air Canada. Find out what they've got available. Now, as the compliance student, I would say, what well, I called an airline, that's all you can expect me to do. But I called Delta, and I called Northwest, and I call American Airlines, and I'm on the phone. My parents come home, and they're concerned about me because I don't talk on the phone. When, when mom and dad would be gone, and people would call, and they would be so annoyed because, Craig, why are there all these voicemails? Weren't you here? I was here. Yeah. Did, did you hear the vo phone ring? Yeah, I heard the phone ring. Why didn't you pick it up? Because I don't like talking on the phone. And now they come home, and their student who, who always looks to see if he can get just below the bar is now actually overextending what's required of him. I called Amtrak trains. I called Avis about renting cars. I called Super 8. I called Hilton. I called Holiday Inn, and I planned out the best possible trip. And no one made me do it. And I went above what was being expected because I found something that I enjoyed. I found something that I was passionate about. I found something that I a treasure. And when we find something that we treasure, it captures and it captivates our heart. See, there is going to be something that captures our hearts. There's, there's no life that we live where, 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 where we don't chase after something. There's no life that we live where we don't pursue something. I mean, something eventually captures our hearts. 
And the question of Proverbs is, what's capturing your heart? What are you seeking after? And what are you really, truly searching for? See, teachers are limited in the tools that they have. I mean, as you look at the things like desire and obligation and discipline and guilt, I mean, only one of those is internally motivated. I learned this because I want to. I mean, think about the insufficiency of things like obligation. If, if, if what you always do forever is because I have to, I have to, I have to, eventually you just get tired of doing all the I have tos. If what you do is out of discipline because somebody says, if you don't do this, I'm going to do this, at some point whoever's telling you what to do is going to get tired of telling you what to do. Or maybe they're not on this earth anymore, but at some point the discipline runs out. Or guilt. Well, you should feel awful. You should feel terrible. I mean, all of these things, I think, are much like putting $2 worth of gas in the car tank and saying, I'm going to drive to Seattle. It might get you a block. It might get you two, three, four blocks. It might get you a mile or two down the road, but it's not going to get you where you need to go. At some point, it comes down to your desire to learn what's being taught. Are we a kind of a people who desire this? I remember somebody asking me the other day, it might have even been one of you, but they said, Craig, how can we get teens to be as passionate about life with God as they are about sports? Now, I don't remember what I said. I'm sure it was a great answer, but I don't remember what it was. But I do remember the question. And the reason I remember the question is because later that week I was driving down the YMCA before the sun came up, and over on the left-hand side as I drove down Grand, I saw... These well, at first I couldn't figure out who they were, but I realized they were teenage boys. They're, they're a little bigger than teenage boys because their shoulders were kind of puffed up a little more than usual. And they had these weird things on their head. I think they call them helmets. And they're running around on the field before the sun comes up. And I realized they're there because they're passionate about it. Because they're wanting to do that. And, and, and what is it about the things of God? Are there things of God that would get us up early? Maybe things that would make us stay up late because there's something we want to be doing with the wisdom of God. See, whatever we love, it gets our best. Our best time, our best energy, our best effort. And unless it's internally a longing and a desire, it's going to run out at some point. You're going to find the tank, tank empty. If it's all those external things, it has to come from within. So what about this seeking and this searching and and Proverbs tells us what all this leads to and, and where it accumulates. Did you notice when I read it was these if statements? If you accept my words, if indeed you cry out for insight, if you seek it like silver, and then it's not till verse 5 we get to then. Here's what's going to happen, the result. Then we'll find these two things at the end of the journey for wisdom. What we find is the understanding of the fear of the Lord, and you find the knowledge of God. And what these two terms are actually typically would be seen as opposite things. Like these two things can't belong. Because fear of God speaks to God's power and greatness and awesomeness and his bigness. And all those things, when we think about how big God is, our natural reaction is to back away from that. God is so great and so holy that, that the human reaction is to back away from it. And that's one of the things that we find is God's greatness. But the other thing we find is the knowledge of God. 
And in fact, as we speak of the knowledge of God, God's mention here is this Yahweh, the covenant God. And, and knowledge of God speaks about, in a lot of Old Testament, speaks about relationship. You know people who you're in relationship with. So, so God is big and, and, and holy and awesome. And, and, and we might be stepping back from it, but the knowledge of God says God is big and holy and awesome. And now we're moving towards him for relationship with him. So what we find when we search for wisdom is we find God himself. We find his greatness, but we also find that we have a relationship with this God who is great and this God who is powerful. See, it's God who wants to capture our hearts. God who wants to become our treasure. So how do you know? How do you know what's captured your heart? How do you know what you've treasured? Uh, I put three things on a list here. Um, but I actually think Rod's things were better. So I don't know. I feel like I should just turn it over to Rod and he can give us his list again. But if you're here for class, use that list. But if you weren't here for class, then, you know, this is like you'll have to settle for this instead. But the first question I'd ask myself is how am I spending my, my time? I, mean, I, I found a lot of my life I, I, I lived making claims about God, making claims about God's priority. But my lifestyle very rarely matched those claims. It would be like me saying, this is a true statement, just so you know. I love my wife. I love her deeply. But, but what if I, every interaction and conversation I had with you, I talked about how much my, I love my wife. And you said, oh, okay, I, I just want to hear, what, what are you guys' life like? I, I mean, you guys just seem to have such a great relationship. and that, uh, I don't know. I haven't actually talked to my wife in 15 years. Um, uh, I leave home before she wakes up. Uh, I don't know that I've ever been home before she's been to bed. Uh, we haven't been on a date in 20 years. Um, yeah, that's pretty much what our life is like. Would you say, wow, you must really love your wife? <laughs> or would you say, I believe that at Billings Clinic there's a mental hospital there. Right? So uh, don't we do the same with God? I mean, God, we, we love you. You're amazing. You're the best. You're... And then when are we with him? So one of the questions I think valuable for myself is, what does my time look like? What is it that you desire the most? What are the things that we work hardest for? What are the things that we sacrifice the most for? What do you wake up dreaming about? What are you willing to compete over? I mean, again, it's so easy to claim something, but it's something entirely different to orient our heart and our lifestyle towards something. And the call of wisdom is that God's wisdom becomes our greatest longing and hope and desire. And this third element is this invitation to ask ourselves, are we talking to God about it? I think sometimes we just need to be very honest with God that God's, right now I don't know that I desire you more than anything else. That silver actually looks pretty good. That treasure over there actually looks pretty good. And I'm feeling drawn away from it because one of the things that we find in, in Proverbs 2 is that as we search for treasures, not just our searching, but now the treasure itself defends us and protects us. You'll see language here in the middle of this text, verses like 7 and 8, about it become, God shielding us, God defending us, and God protecting us. And so this is not just us holding on to the treasure. God himself enables and empowers us in this process of holding on to that which our heart desires. And so we talk to God about that. And I think that we also, we, we talk invitationally as in we need God to continue that process. And we have to talk to God confessionally. 
by the fact that there are times that our hearts are led astray. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Have you ever sang that song? And in those moments, the worst thing we can do is hide that from God, hide that from others, and instead we bring it to Him. And so there was a, a, a prayer that a guy named A.W. Tozer wrote that it connects with me and it resonates with me. And I want this to be uh, a, a gift to you and an invitation to, for you to consider this prayer in those times when you long to long for Him more, when you realize your treasure is off. And so here's the, the prayer by A.W. Tozer. O God, I have tasted of your goodness, and it has both satisfied me and left me thirsty for more. I am painfully conscious of my need of further grace. I am ashamed of my lack of desire. O God, triune God, I want to want thee. I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made more thirsty still. Show me your glory, I pray so that I might know you indeed. May that be our prayer. May that be ex the expression of our own heart's longing. And so in a, a word of blessing, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn towards you and give you peace. And as we leave, I always want to make sure we leave with a reminder of what we leave with. And out of the words of 2 Corinthians 13, 14, we leave with the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, with the love of God, and with the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. If you want to respond in any way, there'll be some uh, elders in the back. I'll be in the back. If you want somebody to pray with you about your longings and desires, if, if, if you're willing to say, boy, I want to seek God like treasure, where do I start? In our waters of baptism, that's where we're giving up all of those other treasures. We're dying to what we loved before so that we can raise the new as a person who loves God more than anything else. So if you have any kind of a need, just invite you to come and find us in the back while we stand and sing this next song together.